scripture reading for today is James 1, 2 through 17. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with the scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. When the lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Good morning. I am going to do what you're not supposed to do when you're preaching. I'm going to give you the goal that I have for this sermon. You don't do that. Because who knows what goals you'll end up with after you hear it. But I'm going to give you my goal. You know why? Because I couldn't find a good illustration to start the sermon. You know why? Because the subject of the sermon should be easy to find an illustration. It should be simple. I even tried to come up with an illustration from my life. And I couldn't find a good illustration from my life. So here we go. My goal for this sermon. This sermon is going to be on the goodness of God. The goodness of God. My goal for this talk is that you will say at the end, I love you so much that nothing is good without you, God. I love you so much that nothing is good without you. That is what I'm shooting for. That you will say at the end of this, I love you, God, because you are so good. Now, I'm going to have, if you're looking at the insert, I'm going to have points just like I do every Sunday, but I don't like any of the points I have, okay? This was a hard one. 
tell you why. Because if you open up a good theology book and you look at how he forms his talks or table of contexts, you will see attributes of God. And usually those attributes are divided in some way. Some kind of attribute that we have like God and some attribute that we don't have like God. And then they have some kind of division. And they usually start with one attribute. Now, a lot of theological books, when they talk about the goodness of God, they list that as number one. And they have some kind of explanation of how it is the one where all other attributes come from. And that's based upon. For instance, I, I wrote it down this way. <laughs> the topic of goodness covers a huge amount of biblical data. Mercy, faithfulness, patience, grace, love, kindness, gentleness, and holiness. And I could have kept going. That because God is good, you have all these other attributes. Because of all these attributes, you have to determine that God is good. And if you understand God is good, you will love him because he is good. Which, by the way, is the goal I have for you. So either this will be the easiest sermon or the hardest sermon ever in the history of Cumberland Bible Church. Not to get too dramatic on you. Here we go. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 100. By the way, we could turn almost anywhere. Turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Verse 5. Psalm 100, verse 5. I, I like this verse, and we're going to start with this verse because it kind of speaks to me. It's kind of like God pounding on my head, trying to get something across. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good. Stop there. The Lord is Good. The Lord is good. Now, this little phrase stumped me. And I tried to explain what it's talking about. So here you go. My attempt. Don't throw anything. I'm just attempting to give you an answer. What is the definition of goodness? What is the definition of goodness? Well, first off, the Lord is good. So, goodness has to be the goodness of God when considering His nature, God's nature. God's nature. 
If you consider his nature, his goodness has to be equally matched with the holiness of God. So if you don't like my long answer, you put down this. Goodness of God equals his nature equals the holiness of God. And the goodness of God related to his actions, his actions is evenly matched with the love of God. So if you want to write it shorthand, you go, the goodness of God equals his actions, which equals the love of God. If you have the love of God, you have proof of his actions being good. If you have the holiness of God, you have his nature being good. God is good in his nature and his actions. God is good. So he has to be good in his essence and he has to be good in his actions. If he stops one time being good in an action, he's no longer God. If he stops being good in his nature, he stops being God. He is good. He is good. God's goodness is God being perfect in, as a standard for himself and for us of what is good. So, if God is good, he has to be good in his nature, and he has to be good in his actions, and his good, therefore, has to be good for me. And I can also do sin, which would be the opposite of him doing good, which would be me rebelling against his goodness. The Hebrew word for good, this will help you, means pleasant, agreeable, and delightful. I take that back. It didn't help you at all. God is good. He cannot stop being good. He is good by his nature. He's good by his actions. He's good in the morning. He's good in the afternoon. And he's good late at night. He is good. And by him being good, it gives us a standard of what is good. By the way, if you have a problem with ethics class, there you go. Ethics is being agreeable to the goodness of God. If you're not agreeable with the goodness of God, your ethics is sinful. God is good. He is a standard of goodness for all his creatures. God is good. That leads me to another question. How is the essence of God good? How can his essence be good? The goodness of God is seen in his moral character or his nature, depending upon how you want to define it. The goodness of God is seen in his moral character or his nature. He is absolutely good. He commends goodness to us because he himself is supremely good. He is both supremely good and ultimate standard of goodness. God is therefore the final standard of what is good. 
There's no higher standard of goodness than God's own character and God's will will approve whatever is consistent with his character as good. God is the highest good you can possibly be. God is the best at all that is good. God is the all-star of goodness. He's the MVP of goodness. He is good. And his essence is good. And his moral character is good. And his nature is good. Well, how is God's work good? How is God's work good? Well, all that God does is worthy of approval. All that God does is worthy of approval. Everything he does, you can see, is good. He is the highest good for his creatures. He's the proper goal of all who strive to be good. (laughs) This week, if you have someone that talks about them being good, you have a whole sermon to preach to them. Because only God is good. God is the highest good for his creatures. The Lord is good, therefore does good. The source of all that makes life possible and worthwhile is God being good. God is good. So, what should a believer do in response to God being good? By the way, we're still in the first part of verse 5. What should the believer do in response to God's goodness? Well, I'm sorry, this one gets wordy too. The believer is to think and act according to the goodness of God, which will lead you to loving others, which biblically is sacrificial service to others, and the continual praise of God. If you, as a believer, respond to God's goodness, you will do two things. You will love others, and you will continually praise God. You will continually praise God. If God is good, and you spend any moment at all of your day thinking about the goodness of God, you will end up loving others, by attempting to be good like your heavenly Father, or you will praise God for Him being good. Because without Him being good, this world is no longer livable. But God is good. The Lord is good. Everything about Him is good. He is perfectly good. He is ultimately good. He is perfection of goodness. He is good. Over and over again, we have Psalms, and they say that the earth must praise God and thank God because He is good. Believers praise Him, for He is in Himself, and and what He does for others is good. Yahweh is good because He does good things. He acts which gives life and delivers us from evil, which empowers us to be more powerful and good. God is good. Look at verse 5. 
God is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. God is good, and therefore He has to be merciful. He has to be merciful. Ask me about mercy. Two weeks from now. Two Sunday mornings from now, we'll talk about mercy. Because you have to talk about God being merciful. Because God is good. Also, look at verse 5. God is good, therefore He has to be faithful. And His faithfulness to all generations. You have the goodness of God, you have to have the faithfulness of God. Ask me about faithfulness. Next week, you've got to come next week, and we will talk about the faithfulness of God. We have to talk about the faithfulness of God because God is good. If God was not good, we wouldn't have to talk about the faithfulness of God or the mercy of God. Or matter of fact, if God was not good, there'd be no reason to come to church. But, God is good. God is good. Matthew 19, you know this one. It's the rich young ruler coming to Jesus, asking him a question. He says, why, Jesus responds, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. There is only one who is good. Matthew 5.48, Therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. God the Father is good, and we are to be good. Psalm 25.8, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore He instructs sinners in His way. He wants sinners to know how to be good. He does everything He can to communicate that so that you can be good. How does God get you to be good? First step, what do you think? You have to be saved. You have to be saved. The first step is you to be saved. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 34. Psalms 34. How does a born-again believer experience God? How does a sinner become something good? How does a sinner become like the Creator and be good? Psalm 34, verse 8. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is... Sometimes good. No. Good six days out of seven. No. God is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. How does a born-again believer experience God? Number one. God is good. And His goodness can be experienced by sinners or believers, depending on how you look at it. It can be experienced by believers. You can taste and see 
that God is good. You can experience God's goodness that results in a changed life, that results in obedience, that results from faith and repentance, and a changed prayer life. It changes everything about you, so much so the Bible describes it as being born again. You can change your relationship with a holy, good God by tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Let's look at that for a moment. The goodness of God can be known. In other words, you can taste it and see it. Taste there is imperative in the Hebrew. Now, the Hebrew imperative command doesn't come across as commanding as the Greek, but it's still a command. He's commanding you to taste. God wants you to taste his goodness. God wants sinners to taste his goodness. God wants believers to understand and taste his goodness. He wants you to know that he is good. He, it comes across as, as making a trial, a trial run or a test run. He wants you to test him out because he will prove that he's always good. The spiritual experience will, lend, will end up leading to spiritual knowledge that God is good. God invites you to eat and drink abundantly till you're satisfied with his goodness. Jeremiah 31, 14. I will fill the soul, the priest, with abundance, and my people will be satisfied with my goodness. Any time you test God, you will be satisfied that he is a good God. Every single time you try him, he turns out good. You cannot try God and he will not be bad. It can't be done. If it was possible for him to be bad, this world would fall apart. Cannot happen. God is good. He wants you to experience the goodness of God. He wants you to taste and see that he is good. Second, he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be blessed by a good God. God's provision is goodness. God provides you with goodness. He will bless you because he is good. He will give you a gift because he is good. He will take care of you. Everything depends upon God's blessing. God's blessing depends upon God being good. Because he's good, every blessing is good. You taste and see that God will bless you. And he's good. God will always be good. God will always bless you. Third, who takes refuge in him. God's protection will always come because he is good. Everything in this world that can hurt you can be protected by the goodness of God. God is defined as one who is faithful. He has the ability to save you. Whatever problem you're having, God will be good and will save you. God is good. Turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. If you are born again, 
if you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have tasted and you have seen the kindness of God, the goodness of God, that God is good. You know it. Therefore, you are blessed by God. Therefore, any trouble happens, he will protect you from that trouble. You will be protected. God will provide for you. James chapter 1. How happy will believers be with the gifts that God provides in his goodness? How happy will believers be with the gifts that God provides for his people? James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good, every. By the way, the word every there is pan. It's the all word, every word, all the time, always. All goodness, all good things are given. And every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. There's no change in this good God. He is always good. God never wakes up and says, oh, what a terrible day. He never has a bad day. <laughs> God is, never has a high point because he never has a low point. God is always good. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. How happy will believers be with the gifts that God provides? The gifts that God gives to his followers are useful, satisfying, and continually good gifts. The gifts he gives to his followers are useful, satisfying, and continually good gifts. God is good. And is the source of all blessings. He is good with everything. Every good thing given, he is good. Good gifts, the Greek word there is referring to being useful or beneficial. Useful or beneficial. Every good gift is useful and beneficial. He never gives you, <clears throat> he never gives you, a square hole, and a round peg. He gives you what is useful and good for you. Let's think about yesterday. Let's think about yesterday. All those things that happened to me yesterday. All those things where I went left and I should have gone right. All those things I did yesterday. All those things are from my Heavenly Father and to me are good. Everything that happened to me yesterday, I can look back on and say that was good. Now, I can't do that tomorrow because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I know yesterday. And everything that I went through yesterday was for my good. Why do I know that? Because I have a good heavenly Father. 
He gives me every good gift that's useful and beneficial to me. Every good thing. God's the author of every good thing. And every perfect gift is from above. Present tense. The perfect gift. In other words, the gift that completely satisfies me and meets my needs comes from God. Everything that meets my needs and completely satisfies me comes from God. What could be the greatest gift? In the context of James, it's wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom that I need is a gift from God. And it comes to me. The word perfect means to be completely having my needs met. The gift of God makes available to His people what is good and perfect, every single one of them. From God's throne, their goodness and completeness dwells. They come down from the Father of lights, present tense, coming down. They're a continual gift. I continually get good gifts every single day, every single hour. I get good gifts coming down from my Father of lights. God is the one who gives me without reservation, all good things. He gives me everything that I need that's good. Jesus was talking. Luke 11, verse 13, He was talking about parents, fathers, treating their sons. And He says, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? In other words, (laughs) we have sinful fathers on this earth and they know how to give good gifts how much better a perfect heavenly father giving perfect gifts god gives perfect gifts god gives gifts not tainted with sin god gives perfect gifts turn to romans chapter 8 Uh, Your Bible in these three years should almost automatically open to Romans chapter 8. The breeze comes and moves your pages in your Bible. It should stop in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Now, we're in chapter 2 right now, so it may not be be a short time until we get to chapter 8. But we'll get there eventually. Chapter 8. I want to talk about goodness that comes from God. What is the work of a good God in the life of his followers? How does God work good in my life? Verse, you almost can say it, 28. 28. Romans 8, 28. This is such a good verse, I almost need you to have have you stand to read this. Here we go. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we don't stand. And we know that God causes some things to work together for good. Is that what it says? God causes most things to work together. Is that what it says? In the reverse standard version? We know that God causes all things to work together for good, for those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. Why does God cause all things to work together for good? Because God is 
good. If there was a possibility of God not being good tomorrow, it would not be able to say that. But God works all things for good because God is always good. God is good yesterday. He is good tomorrow. He will even be good this afternoon. God is good. And he works all things together for good. Oh, you won't like this. Here we go. What is the work of good God in the life of his followers? I know it's wordy, but I cut it down. you got to take me seriously. I cut it down. All events in a believer's life come from the work of a good father so that a believer can handle all things because of God's good work. All events in a believer's life comes from the work of a good father. All events come from the work of a good father so that a believer can handle all things because of God's good work. If God was not good, you may not be able to handle the things that are happening tomorrow. But because he's good, you can handle all things that will will happen tomorrow. All events in a believer's life come from the work of a good father so that a believer can handle all things because of God's good work. And we know, perfect tense, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God works all things out because he's good. We know he does it for good. God works for good. All the suffering of believers, weaknesses of believers, everything that happens has a positive result because God is good. For believers, there's a benefit of all things that is valuable for our sanctification. Everything works so that you will be more like Jesus Christ. Everything. 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 Now let's talk about the bad things. God causes obedience to work for your good. God causes obedience to work for your good. God causes suffering to work for your good. God causes trials to work for your good. God causes physical weaknesses to work for your good. God causes sin to work for your good. He doesn't cause the sin. He doesn't tempt you to sin. But when you sin, he even uses that sin for your good. God disciplines you for your good. That's about every negative thing I can think of. Obedience works for your good. Luke 6. God's suffering, Genesis 50, works for your good. Trials, James 1. Physical weaknesses, 2 Corinthians 12. God causes sin to work for your good, James 4. God causes discipline to work for your good, Psalms 119. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Notice, for those who love Him, which is a sign of believers, you love Him. And from God's perspective, been called by God. That from God's perspective, you've been called. So either you love God and you've been called, or you've been called and love God. You do those two things constantly because that's what happens when you're born again. 
You love God. Why do you love God? Because He's a good God. Why did He call you? I don't know, but it was a good thing for God to do. May make me scratch my head, but He is good. So I know it was a good thing. God calls you and you love God. Application. Why will I always remember the good God is active in my life and gives me the perfect gift at the absolute perfect time? Will I always remember that the good God is active in my life and gives me the perfect gift at the absolute perfect time? Because God is good, believers need to, here you go, reflect the goodness of God. This week, my goal for you is to reflect the goodness of God. I'm not saying be a good person. I'm saying reflect the goodness of God. If you will go out in this world and reflect the goodness of God, you you will change things. You'll change that place you work at. You'll change that home life you have. You'll change that marriage. If you change and reflect the goodness of God, you'll do things differently. Go ahead, ask me. Ask me. What will you do different? Galatians 6.10 So while we have this opportunity, let's, uh, let us do good to all people. You'll fulfill the command. 3 John chapter 1 Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. Galatians 5.22 The fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness. Goodness. You will reflect God's goodness if you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. Titus 3.1 Remember to be subject to your rulers and authorities and be obedient. Be ready for every good work. You are to reflect the goodness of God and you're to go out into this world and reflect that goodness by doing good. If you have a choice between good and evil, guess what my pastoral advice and counsel is for you to do? The good. If you got a choice between the better and the good, do the better good. And you will reflect your heavenly father. And guess what will happen? Guess what will happen? God will bless the socks off you. Have you been in a spiritual dumps lately? I know a way to get out of it. You be blessed by God. Be blessed by a good God. And how do you get blessed by a good God? By being good. Reflecting your heavenly father. He knows how to be good. You reflect that goodness to other people, man, you'll be blessed by God. And next week, you'll be more good. 
I want to get a huddle together, put our hands in, say, okay, on three, go do good. We may do that. Father, I thank you for this time and your word. Thank you, Father, for the great Christmas gift of a God that is good. The Lord is good. Father, we thank you for the goodness of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the goodness of God the Father. We thank you for the goodness of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that God is good. And because he's good, Father, he communicates that good to those who taste and see that God is good. And those that live obedient to the word, Father, and reflect the goodness of God to others. I pray, Father, you would help us as a church to go out into the community and reflect the goodness of God. Not trying to earn our salvation, but Father, because you are good, we want to reflect goodness. We want to be good like you. And Father, you'll bless our socks off. Thank you, Father, for being good. Thank you, Father, for never having a moment in your life where you're not good. Thank you, Father, that we can trust you for your mercy and your faithfulness. God, you're good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.